Now to the war in Ukraine, a key bridge that connects the Russian mainland and Crimean Peninsula is damaged by an explosion. Russia annexed Crimea in 2014. Ukraine is not claiming responsibility, but this is being seen as a win for Ukrainian soldiers. There was a powerful explosion on a section of a bridge linking Crimea with Russia. Russian authorities say a truck bomb caused several railway cars to catch fire and part of the span collapsed. The bridge is a lifeline between the two areas and was engulfed in flames. It's the main supply route for the almost two and a half million people that live in Crimea. But more than that, this was Putin's baby. This was the way to solidify the Russian uh, central territory with the Crimea that he took in 2014. So this is a stunning victory for the Ukrainians on the battlefield, but it's also a stunning blow to, to uh, Putin uh, and, and to the Russian people. The bombing is just one day after Russian President Vladimir Putin turned 70. Ukraine is not claiming direct responsibility for the attack, but an advisor to President Zelensky is calling it a beginning, saying everything illegal must be destroyed. Before Russia invaded Ukraine back in February, such attacks were inconceivable. Crimea was illegally annexed in 2014, and no one was realistically talking about the peninsula being retaken by Kyiv, particularly President Volodymyr Zelensky's government. But seven months into Russia's second invasion, not only is Ukraine liberating much of the territory Russia stole in the east, Ukrainian troops are beginning to make gains in the south. Though Russian President Vladimir Putin is threatening to use nuclear weapons on the false claim that his country's existence is under threat, Ukrainian advances are picking up steam and, in the case of Kerch, burning bridges. Here this week to talk about Ukraine's military success is Solomia Bobrovska, a member of the National Security, Defense and Intelligence Committee in the Ukrainian parliament and the deputy head of her country's delegation to NATO's parliamentary assembly. In today's episode, she will break down Ukraine's military goals as well as the country's pursuit of NATO membership. We recorded this interview a few days before the Kerch Bridge explosion, but she gave her thoughts on why Ukraine is doing so well against Russia, even though their military is outnumbered and technologically outmatched. I would say that one of the fact key factors which played role um, in this um, in the south and in the east that's the um, the rapidness. Yes, that it, it, they were made rapid, and um, um, Russians didn't expect that Ukrainians will uh, will attack and um, that we will have uh, hold this operation. I think this one of the uh, key points we should pay attention at. Uh, even despite uh, we are trying to move. Um, um, asymmetric to what Russians are doing. Uh, you, you can imagine that bef uh, before the 24th of February, the Russian army was more than one million of people. Now, even though they are saying that they are doing partial uh, mobilization, uh, it doesn't mean so. And uh, we are talking only like publicly. Uh, we used to talk only, only Russians even used to talk only about the 300,000 but um, no one knows um, how many of them will be uh, served tomorrow in the Russian army. And I would say that we have to count maximum. And maximum, uh, the, um, what, what we hear and what we can expect, that that's around plus one million, million and uh, uh, 200,000. 
So you just can imagine that, uh, I don't know, maybe that's only um, the common joint army of all NATO allies can be um, can be staying um, in, on the opposite side to, to fight that quantity. Uh, but again, I'm not sure even about them uh, being together, about the NATO forces. Um, so one of the key things that's to, that's to be asymmetric, and um, um, one of one of the of um, the points what we see and issues what we see that uh, okay that's uh, um, the the presence um, of the hiring officers on the battlefield you won't find so so many of them, and that's one point, and the second one. And maybe that's that would be sometimes some, but I'm saying sometimes because you have to count on quantity of them on on this or that direction. Um, and uh, one thing that, for example, um, the Liga, that's a private military companies or so-called Wagner Liga, just it's, it's rebranded um, Wagner's uh, um, company. Um, they are all almost concentrated, especially on Bakhmut. That's the middle of Donetsk region. That's the very east. Who, who doesn't know the, the map of, of Ukraine? Um, and I would say that that direction is, was um, is one of the direction which worrying me all the time, especially the last months, because Bakhmut is hit it, uh, like numerous of times. It's almost destroyed as as a, as a small town. Um, and attacking is like 24-7, and Liga is working on that. Uh, um, so going back to our successful counteroffensive operation, I would say that that one of the, again, key things that was the rapidness of the, that it was rapid, and uh, guys managed to, to do that. But uh, one more thing, uh, we don't used to say the last names of the soldiers or officers who died, so we still don't know the price of this victory. Uh, usually, uh, civilians um, or uh, in the media, we know how how many villages are now liberated, or uh, what what new tragedies we we, we see there. But unfortunately, uh, more and more funerals we have as well, um, and that's a tragedy personal for for families and for for all of us. So I would say that um, nevertheless, village by village, especially in Kherson. We're expecting the liberating the, um, the 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 new villages, and we are going closer to Dnieper and closer to Kherson uh, as um, as a city. But what we knew that Russians still continue to um, to concentrate uh, even mo new mobilized soldiers uh, on the south as well. And um, again, against the quantity, we have to we have to put something which will be uh, asymmetric and more um, and more strengthful uh, in in this counteroffensive operations and i'm afraid that kherson will be for russians very key region because of this access um, to the to crimea peninsula because of the water that's that's what they eight years were telling us give us water to crimea because you have to you, blah 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 and that's the one of the uh, places, Plotsdarms, yes, Crimea, of uh, of um, heavy weaponry for uh, for in, um, as, uh, as a new way for um, not new but permanent way uh, road 
through the Kerch Bridge, um, Crimea, and then to Kherson region, then to Berdyansk, and then to Mariupol. And Mariupol, they're going to have what they are saying publicly, that Mariupol will be the city, uh, new city, which they will build as the example, how will, how will they rebuild the occupied territories as the new parts of Russian Federation. So I think we have to, we for sure, that's the, um, for us, that's a goal to, to, to move forward. And um, the sooner, the, the faster, that, that will be um, the more, um, the, like, more not convenient, but uh, we will win in time. As I explained earlier in the show, Crimea was annexed illegally by Russia more than eight years ago and has been under Moscow's occupation since. Talks of reuniting the region with Kyiv are often discussed, but this year is the first time serious actions have been taken to actually do it. Ukraine has hit military sites on the peninsula this summer, forcing Russian tourists to cut their vacations short. What was once a comfortable part of stolen lands is now a hot spot of the war in which the average Russian is feeling the instability of his government's colonial policy against Ukraine. On the brighter side, the peninsula's occupied peoples, especially its Tatar residents, have hope that Kyiv will liberate them sooner than anyone imagined. I asked Olmia, who was once the acting governor of Odessa, to explain why Russia so desperately wants to hold on to the peninsula. Uh, so, a Crimean Peninsula is surrounded by the water of the Black Sea. And the uh, Russians and the um, people who lived in the Soviet period of time, they adore Russia um, uh, because of of course, because of the um, landscapes, Black Sea, and resting there on um, uh, during the summertime. But the problem is that um, few people know, or like, people who are in the topic, they know that Crimea uh, always during the Soviet period of time, and now since 2014, started to be um, the, the platform for um, heavy weaponry, the... Um, I would say that more than 10 units are um, um, are are there um, as, as a commander, um, as a HQ headquarters. And of course, what um, what's not the secret, but uh, not repeating, unfortunately, every time, that uh, we suppose, not only Ukraine, but the Western intelligence services suppose that uh, in Crimea, Russians held a nuclear um, nuclear weapon and that's what we are, we are trying to say during the all uh, eight last years uh, when uh, Crimea was annexed by Russian Federation that you have to pay that attention because that's a threat for all Black Sea uh, region not only for Ukraine or for the Russian Federation uh, but that's as a very weaponry, hard weaponry armed peninsula which is really close to okay to Romania, to Turkey, to Bulgaria, or to any other um, NATO allies. So that Russian Federation is moving, moving on the west, being closer and closer and closer. And they used this uh, even Kerch Bridge. They didn't build it for for civilians. They they built to make easier um, for deploying troops. 
to have the um, supply of, uh, of any other ammunition and so on. So we have to understand that this land is using only for military bases. And when we are talking about the water and uh, water supply from Ukraine to Crimea, Russians started, especially last years, to um, say that uh, uh, civilians need water. And that's for the very first time during the last centuries we have the problem when um, you can get water supply only a couple hours per day and so on and so on, but not. <clears throat> what intelligence shows us what the results, the f very first need that why Russian need, uh, needed water, that was the water for military bases. And uh, that's actually very obvious, and that's that's why they demanded, and they were playing on that, and manipulating, and so on and so on. And unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, uh, the Russian troops moved very fast on the 24th of uh, February, and in the early morning at, at nine, if I'm not mistaken, they um, they were in Kherson. So that what this lo our loss from our side cost us very uh, very high price. And for, that's why, from when when they um, when they passed this line between um, Crimean Peninsula and big land, yes, big Ukraine, um, they 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 had just open road for to turn right to Mariupol, and they blocked Mariupol, and to move forward and forward. And now we are we are just taking this, celebrating this back. As Solomia, why it took a Russian invasion for Ukraine to seriously pursue the thought of liberating Crimea? Uh, you know, because um, since 2014, uh, Ukrainian government, um, by understanding that we have not, do not have enough strength take it, to take it Crimea back uh, on military, uh, with, with the military, They were trying to 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 somehow to negotiate and to make it like um, I would say to found the way on a very diplomatic field. But I think that was a mistake. Um, honestly, frankly speaking, all of us knew that uh, Russia never, never, never uh, will give back um, Crimea in very peaceful way. That's only will cost our um, price uh, war price. And finally, when the 24th of February happened, during the first months, um, that was the um, presidential statement and our officials, and I totally agree, and that's a high time to say this publicly, that Crimea can be taken only, only with military um, armed forces or whatever. That's only will cost us the, the war. Uh, we have to understand that Crimea is just not the, the peaceful peninsula. A peninsula which is full of military bases, air forces, infantry, special operation forces, airborne forces, um, uh, plus bases with the nuclear nuclear weapon. Who can imagine how, how now it's possible to take it back? Um, that's, that's... I think that's not only about the quantity of the army we need uh, to rise it up but that that's that we have to hold the special the special operation which we have to hold um, taking back the crimea and what we see now uh, with the um, 
I would say this um, these explosions in different in different parts of Crimea. Something is happening. Something is smoking, and in a prohibited area on a, on a military basis. Um, maybe that's the very first time when smoking is um, very helpful for for life. <laughs> Indeed, Ukraine's military has been fighting Russia since 2014. It has grown to arguably the most battle-ready in all of Europe. American military support over the months has certainly helped as well. But Ukraine wants more, especially when it comes to security guarantees. Recently, Ukraine applied for NATO membership, which was seen as a symbolic gesture because the alliance leadership has made clear that Kyiv is a long way from joining. But Salomia explained why Ukraine applied anyway. You know, first of all, I fully support what our president did. Uh, I want to remind uh, that um, a week ago, a week and a half ago, the president um, submitted the application, showed the, our application to, to, to join NATO. And we asked for the fast track, as it happened to Finland and for Sweden. So we see that, um, that uh, it's possible, first of all. And the second, no one knew that um, since no one expected this, um, the war, conventional war, we have to stress on that, since 1949. And um, to be honest, like if you build the security umbrella uh, for transatlantic security, so what is your response when conventional war is coming to your doors? And to repeat for us, uh, every time that they have open policy, but uh, but every time, like open door policy, but every time since 2008, when it was the summit in Bucharest, and that was the promise for Ukraine, that Ukraine will become the member of NATO. For this 15 years, just uh, again and again to to create new obstacles and new, uh, new plans how we have should join, that's a bit, a bit strange. And when the tragedy is happening, when the war is conventional war happening, not hybrid war, and not hybrid threats are happening, and just um, as a NATO almost keeping silence with only um, like every month statement that they do not support the invasion, I think that's, that's not for what NATO was built. Uh, as, for example, UN and OSC. And um, when uh, when Sullivan saying that they have very um, clear response if uh, Russia will use a nuclear tactical weapon, so what kind of this uh, of response we will see, except destroying the military bases and the Black Sea uh, Russian Navy? Um, but I think that's maybe it's not enough. And what we see. Uh, of course, democracy is always about the collective decision, and that's why it's prolonged in time. And that's why why Putin is winning, because he is fast in ma making decisions by himself. And NATO and our partners, they are not proactive, but they are reacting on. And when I saw the press, like uh, General Secretary of uh, NATO General Secretary uh, Jens Stoltenberg's uh, press conference after uh, Zelensky's speech about the joining NATO, our will to join NATO, he will probably fall asleep for sure, because he was not he was afraid to say anything, um, at least anything clear 
for Ukrainians and not for Ukrainians, but for the eastern flank of NATO. And they are afraid and they are now um, preparing in a, in a very fast way their troops. They're trying to make infrastructure better because no one knows how, how much time, for example, the German brigade will need to come to Lithuania if Russia will start from Kaliningrad, yes, and so on and so on. So um, the question is uh, that no one makes, I think from my point of view, uh, no one uh, made and not making uh, the um, uh, conclusions until the Second World War. Russia is not playing, and you see the, the, how, how, what the price we, we, are, we are paying. And what we expected that NATO will finally say yes or no, or this or that you have to fulfill and then you will join. And just to keep us as a gray zone or a buffer zone, okay, it's very convenient. But please, we are saying about security guarantees. You, we destroyed a nuclear weapon. We refused from that in 1996. Um, and um, where the where the states which guarantee us the security? Russia just started the invasion and the war, and um, and 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 that's 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 a question. So I think that would be. Finally, that would be a very clear response if they if they say um, where they see us. But we are not uh, we are not okay with the response that we have to be a gray zone and we will we will think for you the special uh, very special format how we will uh, how we will work on your security guarantees. That's not an option. We want to join. NATO member states are divided over Ukraine's path to membership. Most Eastern European countries that were colonized under the Soviet Union supports Ukraine's accession, while most Western European member countries oppose it. Solomia shared her views on the ideological differences in the alliance. You know, we have to see the political map. Which states were occupied by uh, the Germany? By the way, that's the very first point. Italy, that's a separate thing. Uh, let, let's agree. And uh, the question is that uh, now the Eastern uh, Germany, which was occupied by the Soviet Union, they are full, I can just lie, $100, they are full of Russian uh, agents, Stasi, KGB, whatever. And the very first uh, members of the Bundestag, they are arguing why we should support you. Why don't you support that you maybe you will uh, leave uh, Donbass for Russia and then you will have the peaceful agreement and why we should be all involved in war? You know, we still have the psychological problems with us. We don't know how to overcome that and this and blah, blah, blah. And uh, Poland knows for sure what does it mean to be betrayed, actually, when the, uh, when the Russian government was uh, pro-Soviet pro government, Soviet government was in Poland under the 1945. Uh, I'm saying, not saying the Baltic state, then the Visegrad um, uh, countries. Hungary was under um, Germany. France was under uh, Germany. And uh, come on, guys, now Hungary, you are lucky to be in the part of the EU and NATO, but saying very, uh, very Russian narratives, not narrative words, that uh, two weeks ago their official newspaper wrote that. Um, after mobilizing uh, uh, Russians to the army, they will just uh, destroy Ukraine on political map. And they are very satisfied with that. So they are just waiting for our, one of our regions from for Zagrapatia, which is on the very west and close and bordered with their, with the Hungary. Why, like, why, and we know that we will have the problem with the Hungary, first of all, by the way. 
So I think this this clash, yes, uh, tensions uh, between the Western and European flank, that's about values that they are talking so much about. And I think these values, they understand totally uh, in a different way. Because never, never, uh, maybe Italian or Hungarian uh, man will understand the Polish uh, official or man in the village uh, after the occupation, after what, what they had. Uh, or Czech Republic. And even despite in, Ch in Czech Republic, we had very different uh, positions. And, uh, and even we saw the... Um, uh, strikes, um, thousands, thousands of people came out in August or in September saying Russian narratives, we don't want the war. And now we see, by the way, the same in Georgia, despite it's not in, uh, it's not in uh, EU or NATO, but they are as like, they're trying to be, uh, uh, to get somehow to NATO. But now what we see, they say that to close the borders for Russians, that's a moral dilemma for them because they want to help Russians who are fleeing from the Russian army and mobilization. That is ridiculous. In 2008, that was not a moral dilemma for Russian troops when they fought Belisi. And now, after like 10, 15 years of the Russian government, they are saying this is a moral dilemma. I don't know, um, these old roots, business roots, cultural roots, uh, diplomatic roots, um, even military cooperation, because even in drones now, in Russian drones and in Iranian drones, we see the components made by our partners. How we can explain that? So, I mean that all these 30 years of after USSR collapsed, so much money Russia spent on, on um, providing their politics in, in these states. In France as well, that like in Germany, that's 150% and we see the, the politics. Uh, and policy, state policy uh, on Ukraine. So maybe you'll be calm, maybe don't be so aggressive. Or why you ask in, in, in March the anti-tank missiles and now you need the vehicles or tanks? How to explain uh, for 60 years old man why we need that, this or not that? Because he he just maybe uh, don't uh, remember, doesn't remember how his grandfather or grand-grandfather um, took part in, in the Second World War and what does it mean conventional war, but not the hybrid. So I just really, to be frankly speaking, I'm just, I'm, we are tired of all these endless uh, speeches because of why we need, or, or you know it's a problem. It's not a problem. You just have to come here and to understand what, what will happen if Russia will say that you are the part of the Russian world. I'd like to thank parliamentarian Solomia Bobrovska for coming on this week's episode of Black Diplomats and providing her expertise on the military front. Black Diplomats will continue to cover the war until it ends and long after. I hope you like the new format. We've been getting positive reviews so far about it and we want those to continue. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. It really helps a lot with the podcast. So please go over to iTunes and your favorite podcast platform and give us a five-star rating. All right, everybody. Until next time, have a great week and talk to you on the next episode.